Reading from Genesis 18. The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. He said, If I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought, and then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat so you can be refreshed, and then go on your way, now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they answered, do as you say. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, get three seahs of fine flour and knead it and bake some bread. Then he ran to the herd and selected a choice tender calf and gave it to a servant who hurried to prepare it. He then brought some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared and set these before them. While they ate, he stood near them under a tree. Well, good morning. It's good to be with you in the Lord to share his good word this morning. When I uh, finished uh, Westmont College, my best friend and I, his name is Eric, he and I decided to set out on a journey that would take us across America. And we dubbed that journey uh, the Tour of the Young and Aimless as we went off graduates from Westmont College. We hopped in his 1979 white Scirocco that had 150,000 miles on it, and we begged God to get us across the United States. And so began our journey that truly zigzagged across America. And, and I just remember very vividly our, our, our journey uh, and our conversations together as we shared our hopes and dreams as, as graduates our desires uh, to be married, our, our looking forward to what God is going to do in our lives, how he would use us. And we would meet up. We, we were, were very involved with Young Life, and we worked at many different camps. And so we had all kinds of, of friends who were staff, part of the staff with us on uh, Mount Hermon and, and Young Life camps throughout America. So the goal was to try to hook up with a lot of our friends across the states. So we started out, and, and uh, lots of, of just great memories, one up to uh, all the way north up into Canada, into Banff, Canada. Maybe some of you have been there, just beautiful Lake Louise, and stunning, stunning area. And we arrived there, and every, a lot of the places we stayed, we stayed at youth hostels um, because they were in between our friends. And uh, we showed up late at night in between youth hostels and uh, in between uh, friends and came to this youth hostel, and uh, we were starving. We hadn't eaten uh, for pretty much most of the day. And Banff is beautiful, but there's nothing there uh, other than the beauty. And so there's nothing to eat. And so we arrived in the youth hostel, and, and, and uh, we're getting angry at each other because we're grumpy, because we're hungry. And, and we dig into the cupboards, and all there is, there's one pack of, of Top Ramen, and there's like a, a kind of a pretty stale banana that's there. And I just remember that meal that we shared together of, 
uh, a little bit of top ramen and, and a stale banana and sharing about what we were still looking forward to. We had a lot of way to go, but sitting there in that youth hostel and with my best uh, friend, Eric, and we kept journeying across America, and, and we, uh, one of the places that we stopped was a, a little place called Newburyport, Maine, and it was really neat because at that place, uh, at this time, I knew that I was in love with uh, Kina Swanson, her maiden name, and I knew I wanted to be married to her. And we arrived in Newburyport, Maine, uh, or Massachusetts, and at that place, uh, we found a jewelry shop, uh, and I got my ring uh, for Kina. The thing was, I had no money. And so I said, Eric, can I use your credit card? And uh, <laughs> so he let me use his credit card uh, to buy my wife's uh, ring. And uh, I still haven't paid him back yet, but someday uh, <laughs> we'll get there. The tour wasn't so aimless. We did have a final point, which was, which was Washington, D.C. And we were going to go and, and serve there with a group uh, called the Fellowship that puts on every year the National Prayer Breakfast in, in Washington, D.C. Uh, and that was our final destination to serve in this ministry. And we finally did make it there. The car did actually break down several times, but God got us there. And the thing that is so fond to me of, of that journey uh, is that, again, the whole way uh, was with my dear friend sitting right next to me. Uh, lots of travel in that little car packed full of everything we had. And uh, as we think and as we go into Genesis 18 this morning, uh, this is what I think Abraham experienced with his Lord, uh, his good friend, who went on this journey with the Lord uh, that sometimes seemed aimless, uh, but truly did have a final destination and had a point of one who was wanting to know the Lord more, to walk before his face, to be in his presence, and to be blameless, that is, to, to be made complete. And so is our journey, isn't it? As we are being made complete in the Lord, as we long to know him more. It is from this chapter in Genesis 18 that Abraham, I think, gets a unique name given to him from God. And it comes... Several times in scriptures, but one is out of Isaiah 41. But you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, you are the offspring of Abraham, who is my friend. That's the Lord God Almighty calling Abraham his friend. And what I want us to look at together this morning, and what I want us to think about, is that we have a friendship with Jesus. And even asking that question, do you have a friendship with Jesus? Not your buddy. Not your buddy, Jesus. But a Jesus that we come in reverence to and in relationship, who is the Savior of our souls, and at the same time, our friend. I think, I think in that relationship of friendship with God Almighty, which seems irreverent to even think that we could be friends. But I think of it in even how I relate with my father, 
my father who is my father, but he's also my friend. My father who I give incredible weight to because of who he is in my life and who God has placed him to be in my life. And at the very same time, he is a dear friend to me. I think that's the type of relationship, this beautiful love relationship that's full of reverence for God Almighty. And yet at the very same time, we are a friend of God, like Abraham. Genesis 18, this wonderful scene where Abraham gets that title, I believe, a friend of God. And the Lord appeared to Abraham at the oaks of Mamre. The Lord, Yahweh, the Lord Jehovah, which was the proper name of the Lord, the existing one, shows up at this place of Mamre, which means fatness or strength. And he's under the oaks, and, and you kind of have a scene of rest, of shade under the oaks. This is a place where, where Abraham had settled for quite some time. It's, it's modern-day uh, Hebron, which is where Sarah was buried. And uh, many of us have uh, been there to visit that place uh, that exists today. And so I want you to, to remember the scene, which is Abraham had taken his whole tribe, his whole clan, and in obedience to the Lord where the Lord said, I want you to walk before me and be blameless. And I want you to do something to show a sign that we are in relationship. And that sign of my covenant, God's covenant relationship, is that you will have each one in your house circumcised. And Abram, Abraham, in quick response, takes all of his clan and has them circumcised in obedience to the Lord. Abraham, who had been waiting for a word from the Lord, hears from God. God speaks to him to, to keep walking in his presence. And part of the way to do that is live out in obedience to me, Abraham, your friend. And he does. And again, God reminds him that he will have a son, Isaac. Laughter is what his name means, Isaac. He will have a son, Isaac, and it will come from your seed. And Abraham has heard this from the Lord. And so now I think he's outside his tent. For those of you who've camped out in the desert, it's a hot place. And I think he's sitting outside of his tent with a little covering, hoping for some wind to cool him off. I think he's outside probably wondering, okay, Lord, you've told me these things. How is this all going to play out? What's your timing? as I wait upon you. And so he's left there waiting. We don't know how long the time from God's asking him to have the clan circumcised to this point. But once again, we find Abraham waiting upon the Lord. And as he sits there, the scriptures remind us, he looked up, he saw three men standing nearby, and when he saw them, he hurried from the entrance. He goes out to meet them. He bows down low and said, If I have found favor... In your eyes, my Lord, do not pass by your servant. This is a very unique encounter, isn't it? Here he is in the middle of the desert. At some distance, but not too far away, there are three men who are there. 
that he can see. And it's a, it's a strange encounter, one of those encounters in Scripture where you go, what's taking place? Who are these three men that just show up, it seems? There are many who have said that these three men represent the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that came to minister to, to Abraham. Some have said that it is three angels that came to bring a word of the Lord to Abraham. As I have been enjoying this passage for many weeks and doing a lot of study, let me suggest what these three men might be. Let me suggest that one of these three men is the Lord, pre-incarnate Christ. One of the three men is the Lord. And that two, the other two, I believe, are angels who are with the Lord. That's who I believe these three men should be, might be. And let me also suggest this, that when Abraham looks up and when he sees these three, I believe at that point he knows it is the Lord who he has encountered before, who he has heard from before, who he has received covenant with before, and I think he knows that it is the Lord. And let me take you through the scriptures of why I believe this. Abraham, again, rises up. He is the patriarch of the whole clan. But once he sees them, the scriptures say he hurried to go greet them. Now, I want you to understand something. Abraham is right around 100 years old. The, the, the language is not even, not only hurried, it's, he sprinted. I mean, he ran to go meet these guys. Now, if you've just been circumcised, I don't know if that's the easiest thing to do. But he ran. It's going to take a lot of sacrifice. I think he knows it's the Lord has showed up. And he sprints out there to go greet the Lord. And then it says when he shows up, he, he bows down low to them. Again, more than just Eastern hospitality, but a reverence for who these men are basically gets down on his face in reverence. Sprints out there, gets down low, and bows before them. And then he names one of these men. If I have found favor, my Lord, do not pass by. If I have found favor, who is Abraham even seeking favor from? But the Lord God Almighty that he encountered before, El Shaddai. I want to be pleasing to you. If I have found acceptance, if I have been pleasing to you, O Lord. This scene takes place right after his act of obedience of circumcision, right? And so I picture the scene that Abraham runs out there, bows low, and is asking the Lord, I hope my act of obedience has been pleasing to you as he shows up before the Lord God Almighty. And he says, Lord, Adonai is the name given here. 
Lord, the title spoken in place of Yahweh. It's a display of reverence. Lord, if I have found favor, if your servant has found favor, then stay. And he calls himself servant. Before the, This is the patriarch. This is much more than just Eastern hospitality. I think he fully knows that God has showed up to speak into his heart. I love that about his friend, the Lord, who ministers to him. And he goes out and sprints out to greet his friend, Adonai. There's something interesting. It's just a, the joy of studying the word a lot, and I get the privilege of doing that, is that you start to see certain things all throughout scriptures, words and phrases that occur over and over again. You see how they're used throughout all of scripture. That's why I love doing Genesis, because we, we, get, we get these foundations, but then because we know the New Testament fairly well, we get to see how it plays out in scriptures. And one of the phrases that is used here is, is the term passing by. Lord, he runs out, don't pass me by. As though the men were not just necessarily standing there, but they were in movement. Don't pass me by. Throughout scriptures, we see that term, and I want to share something with you that I think is really fascinating about this term. It is often used in scriptures with the Lord in reference to God doing something absolutely amazing. That God is going to do something that only God can do in passing by. And let me share a few of those things with you. Remember Moses? And he's up, and he's meeting with the Lord on Sinai. And the Lord says this to him, I will cause my goodness to pass by you in front of you. And I will proclaim my name, the Lord Yahweh I am, in your presence. And I will put you in this cleft here, in this place where you may stand, that way when the glory of the Lord passes by, you will not die, you will see just the the backside. From that place, when the Lord passed by, do you remember what happens next? He's given the Ten Commandments. And then he is filled with the power of God to go and lead his people. The Lord has passed by. We see it in Joshua chapter 3, where the Ark of the Covenant, which was, which was representative of the presence of the Lord, it's used in the crossing of the Jordan River. Only that which God can do. And Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow... The Lord is going to do amazing things in your midst. And Joshua said to the priest, Take up the Ark of the Covenant, which again is the presence of the Lord, and pass ahead of the people, pass by them. And so they took it up, and they went ahead of the people. And what happened? The rivers of the Jordan were ceased, and they crossed over into Jericho. We see it with that guy Elijah, that great, great one who would speak forth and proclaim the truth of God who just came down from Mount Carmel and had defeated the prophets of Baal. And even after all of that, he finds out that Jezebel is ready to 
to destroy him, and she's killing all kinds of prophets. And so he ends up hiding out in a cave. Do you remember that? And God shows up to him. Basically asks him, Elijah, why are you hiding out in this cave? What are you doing? And he says to Elijah, I am going to pass by you. And if you remember, there was great storm and there was great fire. And God wasn't in those, but there was a still, small voice. And God passed by. And from that place of fear and trembling, God took a man who had no more strength and he lifted him up and he sends him out and he went to anoint kings. And then he went to anoint Elisha, who was to be the next prophet the work of the Lord in our lives, who does amazing things. When God passes by, amazing, impossible things happen. Do you remember that scene with the guys out on the fishing boat? Here's the disciples, and all of a sudden a storm takes place. And do you remember, do you remember what the New Testament teaches us? The Scriptures actually say this. Here's the disciples, they're out on the boat, there's a huge storm... And it says, Jesus was about to pass by. As though, he, what, he didn't see him there in the middle of the storm? No. It's because when passing by, when God passes by, impossible things happen. And what happens? Jesus calms the storm. Only something that God can do. This is God who passes by who calls us his friend. We have a friendship with the God of the impossible. We have a friendship with the God who can do things that only he can do so that he receives the glory. We have a friend who loves to pass by us and do things in your life that you never even thought could ever take place in your spiritual journey with your friend, the Lord. And so he is about to pass by Abram, Abraham, and Sarah. And he can do something here that only God can do. He's to bring forth a child whose name is Laughter, Isaac. And he's going to do a miracle something only the Lord can do. And I think it must have been a great joy, friend of Abraham and friend of us, to bring this seed that God had promised because he keeps his promises. And so there was incredible laughter on that day that Isaac was born. He passed by. So Abram goes out and he says, don't go by just yet. I want you to come and, and I want you to stay with me. This scene to me is one of the most beautiful scenes to give us a picture of friendship with God. Friendship with Jesus. I don't want you to miss this scene because the Lord gives it to us to show who He is in our lives. Not only God Almighty, who does impossible, but a friend. And I want you to just think for one moment. I want you to think 
Who, who is your friend right now? Who are some physical people that you would consider close friends? I want you to think about that relationship with them and how you enter in with them and how you care about them, how you love them and how they love you. I want you to think about that friendship, how you're ministered by them and how you minister to them. Because I believe this is the type of friendship that we are to have with our Lord. Not our buddy, but our God who calls us into a friendship with him. And he has established in our physical form friendships with those in our lives, I think, to give us a taste. And I think he gives us this friendship with Abraham to understand, you can call me Abba, Daddy. You can crawl into my lap. You can call me friend. It's not irreverent. It's what I long for in my relationship with you. Is Jesus your friend? Truly. It's hard for us, I think, isn't it? It's hard for us to think creator of the universe, creator of you and me, is our friend. But he longs for that relationship. Let me have a little water be brought to you, and then, and then may all of you wash your feet and rest under this tree. Verse 5, let me get you something to eat so that you can be refreshed and then go on your way now that you have come to your servant. Well, very well, they answered, do as you say. A servant who washed or had their feet washed. I wonder if Jesus, when he was in the upper room with his disciples... I wonder if he remembered this time with his friend Abraham who washed his feet, who shared a meal together in friendship. I wonder if Jesus reflected upon this moment with his friend Abraham. Abraham who was humble servant, who had a humble heart, who came before his king as friend. Again, I think this was pre-incarnate Christ who was sitting with Abraham here. And so you wonder if Jesus reflected. Jesus says, My command is this, Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than he lay down his life for his friends. And our Jesus was just about to do that for his beloved, for his friends. You are my friends, Jesus says, of his disciples, and he says of us, You are my friends if you follow me, as you do what I command. I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. That's what friends do. We share life together. We share intimate things. We share about the future. We share what's going on with life. And we're going to see next week, as Jackson teaches us, that the Lord says to the angels with him, should we share what we're about to do about Sodom and Gomorrah? And he does share. You're not my servants, you're my friends. I'm letting you in on this whole story. Big picture is, I'm the God of the impossible. Big picture is, I'm the God who keeps his promises. I'm going to share with you, because you're my friend, about how to have relationship in life. 
And this is what he's doing with his friend Abraham, who's acting like Jesus, the humble servant, as he serves the Lord. Let me get you something so that you can be refreshed. This statement stuck out to me in the scriptures. Let me get you something so that you might be refreshed. The way it hit me was, is, is my life, Rod Ritchie, is my life one that, that refreshes my Lord? Does he take rest and delight and he's refreshed by my relationship with him, my friendship with him? It's been a lot of hot summer days, and I love mowing the lawn. But my oldest boy, Caleb, one of the things that he is just thoughtful in is he'll see me out mowing the lawn, and he'll go grab from the fridge a nice cold bottle of water. Dad, you want one of these? It's not, it's not the water. It's the relationship with my son. I am refreshed when my children and my boys are obedient, when they respond to what I ask of them. That's refreshing to me. I'm refreshed when they start to, to, to fall in love with, with things of the Bible. It's so cool to watch them. You know, many of you parents get this opportunity where you, you read to your kids in bed, and we're reading Bible stories right now. Uh, actually, the, kind of the whole story of the, the Old Testament. My wife put together a beautiful storybook that, that's just easy for children to understand about the whole, the whole Bible so you can get a timeline, a sense. And so we're going through that with our children. And they're just asking questions and they're delighting in, in the, the stories of Scripture. You know, when, when my children ask questions about well, what does this mean or what's God doing, man, if that doesn't refresh my soul. Because that's what it means. It means to comfort your heart to refreshment. It means to, to strengthen your heart, to, to give you joy in your heart it's like when, when my sons will just come and, 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 and run and, and give me a hug for no reason. As a parent, if that doesn't refresh my soul, I don't know what else will. Do you understand? This is, this is our relationship with God Almighty. Do we refresh our Lord? Do we have an intimate relationship with him that is refreshing to him? Abraham had that. It wasn't about the food that he was about to present. It was about the relationship. Will the Lord stay and enjoy that relationship? And it's like, of course I will. You are inviting me into this? Of course I will stay and we will stay. What a blessing it must have been that day to the Lord. So here's Abraham again, a hundred years old. There's a lot of running in this chapter. Abraham runs to, runs to Sarah. Quick, Sarah, get, get three seas. That's, that's eight pounds of flour. Sarah kind of got the raw deal on this deal. I mean, it's like, hey, listen. First of all, Abraham says, I'm going to... I'm going to just make a little something for you. It's not a little something. This is a full banquet that's about to be laid out. This is like, you know, your husband calling up, hey, the boss is coming over for dinner. You know, let's throw something together, right? Of course, it's, it's a huge meal. 
And so Sarah is, is, is responding, and she's doing that, and Abraham's also responding. He's not just doing nothing. I mean, he's out trying to get everything for the Lord. She's in there making the bread. Then he runs from there, a hundred-year-old, just freshly circumcised. This is not easy. And he's going. He's like, listen, we're going to go out to the herd, and I'm going to select the choice tender calf, the best of the best. That's why I think it's the Lord. You don't do this just for the normal visitor. Best of the best. You see, friends want their friends to enjoy the best. It's like the bumper sticker says. Friends don't give friends fruitcakes. All right? They don't. He is not going to go and get a fruitcake for the Lord God Almighty. He's going to get a filet mignon. And he's going to cook it up for him. He goes and he serves this to the Lord and he brings it to them. And he brings the, the curds of milk, the calf that had been prepared, and he serves it, this beautiful lunch, to his friend, Adonai, the Lord, God Almighty. What a scene. My mother is from Morocco, and she would often throw together a very Eastern mindset as far as hospitality. And she would often throw these beautiful banquets, these parties, and she would just serve these, these Moroccan dishes. And, and you would, you, it would be four or five hours or so of just being together. And, and she would come all dressed out in, in her beautiful dresses, her Moroccan dresses. And, and first thing she would bring in is this, this big big bowl, this, this brass bowl filled with water so that you could wash and, and, and be refreshed. And then you'd all sit on the floor with the, with the pillows and then, and then she would bring in the, the couscous and the, the lamb that was just prepared. And then it would just go on and on and on. And we would just sit long and we would talk much. And her delight, her delight was in serving that. And here's Abraham, and I think it was his delight to serve his friend, the Lord, as he let him eat. But I can only imagine the conversation that took place during that lunch with the Lord, his friend. And he enjoys that friendship. One of the things that stuck out in my mind as I read this passage was, what does it look like for me? How do I have this friendship with the Lord? What was it that, that Abraham got this, really this title, almost, this label upon himself from the Lord God Almighty? What was it where the Lord was able to say, this is my friend? I want us to think about that in our lives with the Lord. How do we grow in our relationship, our friendship with the Lord? I think it starts... First of all, when we are receiving, when we are justified, when we are made right, when we come to believe in who the Father is, when we come to a place where we surrender our lives and we say, Jesus, you are my life. You are my Savior. 
I give my life to you. Save me this day, Father. And where we believe in His Son, Jesus Christ, and we repent and we are saved, I believe it's at that place that starts that friendship with Jesus. Jesus wants to be your friend, and if you've never come to that place, it starts at the cross. To say, Lord, here I am. I am yours. And then begins this beautiful journey, and it really is a journey, until finally we are made complete that one day that will come. Friendship is when we're reconciled to God through faith. Abraham believed in the Lord and it was credited to him as righteousness. Friendship comes when we are available to one another. You know, again, this is one of the things we've talked about many times in in this culture of ours. For some reason, we, we are so proud of our busyness. And so we miss our friendships. And so it is with our Lord. Abraham was available. He was the patriarch. He had lots of responsibilities. He made himself available to the Lord. What does your time look like? What are your priorities? Don't buy into the the busyness lie that we would have relationship with our Lord And truly, because the Lord lives in us, that we have relationship with each other so that we can experience the life of Christ in us together as community. Do we have time? Friendship with the Lord is making time for Him. This body of Christ, time for to the body. There's an eagerness here in Abram. There's an eagerness to meet with the Lord. Again, there's a lot of running going on. I want to serve my Lord. I want to be with my Lord. I want to be in His presence. It's like when I come home from work and my sons are at the top of the stairs and like, Dad, let's play. There's an eagerness. There's a joy. And to be honest, it's an incredible joy for me. I love getting out there and tossing the football. I love doing WWE Smackdown with my boys. I love it. Let's play. An eagerness to be with me. Not only father, but it's kind of fun. I'm starting to become a friend, too. They're growing up a little bit. Still father, still in charge. But they're my friends. And so we play. There is that in Abraham, and I I hope for us that God... God will, will, will well up that, that desire in us, an eager friendship, an eagerness to meet with our Lord. Friendship requires, in this relationship with our friend Jesus, it requires obedience. Again, he's not our buddy. He is our friend who is the Lord. And it requires obedience. The Lord reveals himself to the obedient, and Jesus said, He who has my commands and keeps them... That is the one who loves me. And he who loves me shall be loved by my Father, and I will love him, and I will disclose myself to him. The one who loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him. And we will come, and we will make our abode, we will take up residence in him. Abraham was a friend to the Lord, and the Lord was a friend to Abraham. He showed up 
in the middle of the desert and he brought companionship to Abraham. He brought communication, talked with him. I'm sure Abraham needed it. He brought compassion, speaking to the heart of Abraham, who probably wondered, when will a son come about? And the Lord comes with full compassion, saying, a year from now, when I show up, you will have a child. What a blessing from his friend, the Lord. Abraham, at this point in his faith journey, serving the Lord in full trust and in obedience, encouraged in his faith, and he's learning again to trust his friend Jesus. The rest of this story is a contrast to that. Sarah, at this point in her faith journey, has struggled in trusting the Lord. And so it asks us the question, where are we in this journey with the Lord, our friend? Where's Sarah, they asked. She's in the tent, and again, it's tent city. I will surely return this time next year and you will have a child. And Sarah is sitting in the tent and she hears this. And as she heard this, she said, I'm past the age of childbearing. And so she laughed and thought, I'm worn out and my master's old. Will I even have this pleasure? And she laughed. Sarah knows her womb is dead. There will be no life coming from her. A woman knows these things. It is impossible to have a child. But isn't this the God that we serve? Isn't our God the God who raises things from the dead? Isn't our God the God who intervenes in our lives and does the impossible? Isn't our God the God who passes by as he's about to do a miracle work in our lives to show that only this comes from the Lord? This is the God you serve. There's no laughter here. This laughter was a laughter of disbelief in the God that we serve, our friend. Do you trust Jesus to do the impossible in your life? Do you trust him to keep his promises? Do you trust him to do work in your lives that is transformational? Our God does the impossible. This God passes by. Is anything too hard for the Lord, he says, and the answer is no. Nothing is too hard for the Lord. Is there a person in your life who has been running from Christ and wants nothing to do with the Lord and you think you give up? Do you think the Lord is saying, oh, there's no way I can work on that person's life? Nothing is impossible with the Lord who changes us and transforms us within. You don't think there's a heart that he can't penetrate? God does that. He changes lives. Nothing's impossible with him. Is there any marriage right now that he can't touch and heal that has been broken and struggling? Our God does the impossible when you think there's no hope left in your marriage, he steps in. Is there any job that our Lord cannot provide? Is there any friendship that he cannot restore? Is there any need of yours that our God, who raises the dead, cannot meet? 
I will return and I will bring you a child. Sarah, don't laugh in disbelief. In her fear, she's like, I didn't laugh. And the good friend, and this is full of grace. I love this from the Lord. He addresses the sin. You did laugh. And God's going to keep working in grace with Sarah. Sarah, we're going to see, continues to grow in her faith. But in her faith journey right now, she struggles. And I think the call to Sarah, like Abraham has landed for the moment. Sarah, would you know that I keep my promises? Would you know that I am the God of the impossible? I am your friend, Sarah. Trust in me. This was that day under the tree, under the oaks of Mamre, where friendship with God began. And where our Lord Jesus says, we are his friends. Amen.